new crew, NYC, in Brooklyn, still here. All right, well, we welcome in Commander's Head Coach Ron Rivera. Thank you for joining me this morning, Ron. Good morning, Josina. How are you? <laughs> I'm doing well. I'm doing well. I appreciate the yeah. opportunity to talk to you in advance of this big game that you guys have um, against the Giants. But nonetheless, Coach, I actually I want to start with you, if that's OK. Okay. <laughs> Let's talk about you, because, you know, when we talk to a head coach, sometimes I feel like we talk about the game, but we really don't kind of get into the man, the coach himself. So, you know, when I was kind of looking over the notes for this interview, I was noticing that this is the first opportunity since you've been with Washington to have an eight plus win season. You guys were seven and nine the first year, seven and 10, now seven, five and one. So a really exciting opportunity for you. But I wanted you to just kind of think about some of the headlines that you've had to navigate even the pain that you've endured from Dwayne Haskins passing controversial comments from your defensive coordinator congressional hearings uh different starter at QB right now you had a player shot uh, DC attorney general suing the team overseeing the physical and psychological recovery of your top draft pick with the ACL and obviously your beloved mother Dolores passing so when you think of the fact that this organization has leaned into you so much for your stability and also for the strength that you provide. I just wanted to ask you, what's it been like for you? <laughs> it has been a little bit of a whirlwind, a little bit of a uh, roller coaster ride. Uh, but more so than anything else, Josine, I think this is really about just trying to get us to where I believe we can be. And, and, and that's a, um, a team with a positive winning culture, uh, a sustainable winning culture. And I think that's probably the biggest thing that I've tried to share with our players. So when you think about um, just how you navigate stress or how you navigate adversity, where is it that you go to kind of call upon that inner strength and resilience, Ron? You know, the people that are around me, you know, my, 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 my coworkers, my friends, my family, um, but probably the one person I really do lean on an awful lot is my wife. Uh, Stephanie's mm -hmm. been tremendous throughout this entire time. And we, we, we've been married almost 37 years now, uh, going on, um, on, on, 30, uh, on 37, I believe it is. And mm, the crazy get that right, about, Ron, get that right. I know. <laughs> actually, we are going on 38. We're in 37 mm. right now. We're going on 38. Mm -hmm. And the big thing, more so than anything else, you know, Stephanie coached collegiately and professionally as well. And so every time we've gone through, you know, situations, circumstances, we've been able to compartmentalize things, uh, have our discussions, talk about things and, and kind of, you know, work through things. And she's a great sounding board. Um, she's somebody that brings me back to reality. You know, I may come home after a day and, and something crazy had gone on and, and I'll come in and I'll whine and complain. And then after about <laughs> five minutes, she says, okay, have you had enough? And I said, yes. She said, all right, let's move on. Wow. <laughs> Sounds like uh, the strength of a woman backing up your um, yourself there through a tough season. And, and just speaking of that, too, how do you feel like everything that I talked about, Ron, because that's really quite a list of things and you kind of brush through it there. But I, I'm really curious when you think of that, even just from all the things I named, even from your mom passing, how has that also impacted the patience that you have and the grace that you have when you think about you know, uh, ownership being embattled all the way through just managing, regaining the confidence of your top pick in Chase Young? Well, you know, starting with all the things that, that are outside the organization, probably the biggest thing that, you know, I've been able to share with our players more so than anything else is that a lot of these things happened before we were, we've gotten here. 
And so what we need to do is focus in on what's important to us. That's interesting. That stuff that does did happen is serious, but yet it doesn't impact us because, you know, we weren't involved. What we're involved with more so than anything else is preparing to play football and trying to win football games. Um, and, and I think our guys have responded very well, especially this season. Um, you know, when the first real big major um, media hit happened, we were in terms of getting ready to, to play Chicago in Chicago on Thursday night. And our guys were able to focus in on playing the game. And so we've been able to do that. Uh, I think, um, you know, a lot of the other things that we deal with, uh, for instance, trying to get Chase Young, you know, back on the football field, that's been a, a process in terms of helping him to build confidence uh, in him, in himself. I mean, he's gone through, he went through a major surgery. Um, There's mm-hmm. a little bit more to it than just an ACL. There was some, uh, there was some mm-hmm. patella damage that had to be taken care of as well. So now it's a matter of him getting confident, feeling comfortable out on the football field. And so we've had some great conversations and everything he's been doing is hopefully leading up to him playing this Sunday. I mean, he, he's been great. Mm-hmm. He's worked hard at it. Um, the hard part is every now and then, it, you know, when he's had a little bit of a setback, something that that's kind of, you know, tweaked him, it, it, it's been tough on him. And, and it, this is hard. This is not simple. And, and you know, mm-hmm. I, I really do appreciate the effort that he's given. And we're going to get into Chase Young a little bit more. But before we go to that really quickly, a big headline in the news this week was obviously the passing of coach uh, Mike Leach. And I was just curious when something like that happens how did that just immediately impact what you think about your own in-season coaching routine and just maybe what you'd even like to see when it comes to uh, coaching care or just the coaching profession? You know, one of the hard things about that, uh, more so than anything else, Josina, is, you know, he's a young man. I mean, he's, he's a tremendous football coach, great personality in the profession. Um, and, and for it to happen the way it did, it, it just it's way too soon. And, and this is a little bit of a reality check for us coaches just understanding mm-hmm. the, the the stresses that we go through. Um, you know, for me personally, too, um, I'm still kind of going through recovery. I, I still have some side effects that I deal with from my own cancer treatments um, that do hit me and and they do come up. And, and it you know, it, it, it makes doing what I do a little harder. But at the same time, I'm very fortunate. I have a lot of good people around me that that are working with us that, that have taken uh, some of the load off of me, which has helped me to get through it. Um, and there just are some times when I, I do, I do, honestly, I check out just because I, I, it's, it's hard sometimes to get through some of these days, you know, with some of these side effects and, you know, those types of things. But when it comes to dealing with the team, dealing with the players, you know, I, I try to make sure I'm there. And, and that's probably the one thing that that's been fortunate for me is because of the people around me that are working with me that are helping me to get through these days. And you obviously mentioned there some of the side effects that you're still dealing with, Coach. Uh, can you share some of the things that you have to kind of just manage? Well, part of it is uh, the fatigue that I, I get. You know, I still get it. It still hits me, you know, late in the, uh, late in the afternoons. Um, I'm dealing with some neuropathy in my hands and my feet. Um, you know, I, I do have certain aches and pains that I, I, I deal with as well. Uh, it's funny because a number of people I know that have gone through some of these cancer treatments I've talked with and just try to, you know, listen to them and, and hear what they tell me to expect. And a lot of those things that they've told me to expect, I've been dealing with. And speaking of, you know, dealing with things, having grace for yourself, 
having grades for, uh, you know, people on your team like Chase Young. Let's talk about him. Obviously, your 2020 second overall pick, defensive rookie of the year, has seven and a half sacks that year, uh, coming off the ACL injury, which he had last November. And in context, real quick, that's actually uh, two months before OBJ's ACL tear for the people out there, but you activated him off the PUP uh, in week 12. So he's gone two games and a bye without playing so far. And this week, Young was quoted as saying um, he's still taking it one day at a time. So coach, what do you think it's going to take specifically to transition him from the rehab cocoon to even just going to a pitch count? When you think of a guy like Tredavious White, who dealt with his own ACL, but managed to just start with the 15 snaps and knowing that it's okay, you don't have to be a hero right away. And that's exactly it, you know, because young men like like Tredavious and, and Chase want to perform at their best. And, and the last thing they want to do is put bad tape out there. Um, and, and just knowing that Tredavious got through it. I use that example when I talked with Chase today. We talked about it and said, mm-hmm. look, they had a, a specific pitch count. He went out there. He handled it. And then the next week he increased his, his load. And then the following week he made it through the entire game. So it took three weeks. And that's what I'm trying to get through Chase so he understands. I mean, again, this is difficult. This is not an easy thing because these are high-time, big-time, high-performing athletes that want to produce and perform for you. They want to be great. And and I know that's part of uh, part of his mentality. He, the young man wants to be great. Mm-hmm. So what percentage of this do you think, and even – not so much percentages, what part of this do you think still is just psychological as opposed to physical? Well, I think part of it is. I really do. I, I couldn't give a percentage. That wouldn't be fair. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mm-hmm. do know this. The young man has worked very hard to get himself in this position. And hopefully we can push through. And, and, and you know, maybe it's this weekend. Maybe it's this Sunday against the Giants. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And what is your overall approach regardless of Chase, when it comes to dealing with an athlete of that caliber and trying to just transition them from physical readiness to psychological readiness? Like, what do you specifically do to make that happen? Because that's difficult. Oh, it's very difficult. But but the biggest thing we, you know, I try to get across to, to my players and, and, you know, and as this is my 12th season as a head coach. So I've dealt with, you know, well, this a lot, mm-hmm. you know, I've told guys, listen, you're the only one who truly knows. So when you're mm-hmm. ready, you've got to let us know, but we're going to do what we can to try and get you back out there, try and push you. But there is a point when it comes down to you. So you have to be honest and upfront with us more so than anything else. And that's what I've told Chase. I, we, we have a lot invested in him. We invested the second overall pick in him because we believe in him and, and what he can become for us. And so we're not going to do anything that that's rash or, or, or premature. We want him out there when he's at his best, ready to play. And we're just trying to help him get through this. So he also said uh, at the locker room this week, you know, uh, this is a process. I'm going to take my time. But, you know, if they call me to play, I'm going to play. So is there a point with this run that you think you might even as a head coach just have to say, you know what, Chase, we, we got to get our feet wet now? Well, I think the biggest thing more than anything else is we talk about it and just trying to make sure he understands that, you know, we're not going to throw him out there and expect 25 to 50 plays right away. We're going to expect him to be able to go in and ramp himself up, gradually put himself in position to to get his feet back under him, what it feels like, again, to be out there in that type of environment with that type of energy going. And, and again, we want him for the long run, for the long term. You know, this is a huge mm-hmm. investment, and he's a young man that we look at it that way, but we want to make sure we do right by him as well. 
And how much of this do you feel like, too, just has to do with the overall performance of your defense? And, Ron, this is really amazing here because even without Chase Young, you guys are fourth in total defense. Last eight games, allowing 16 points per game, uh, 288 yards per game, 13 takeaways. Your pressure percentage ranks fourth even without him. So how much of that is informing how you're handling him? And just when you think about even overall over the list of things we were talking about that you've been dealing with, how much are you just proud of that resiliency? I'm very proud, very proud of what we've done as a football team as a whole, you know, uh, again, running the football the way we have on the offense, um, you know, making the timely plays that give us a chance to win. Then defensively, what Jack and the staff have done, I think has been tremendous. You know, they've instilled this confidence that these guys are playing with. And even without Chase out there, as you said, we're having the success. So we can only imagine that if we can get Chase back and get him going, will that add to our success and help us be an even better defense? So th there's a lot of exciting things that are happening that I'm proud of, and I really appreciate the effort that we've gotten from our players and our coaches as a whole. And speaking of that, then, when you think about the performance of this defense and you look over your long career, as you mentioned, how long you've been a head coach in the NFL, what specific aspect stands out in your mind about what's timeless about your defensive philosophy? Well, I think the biggest thing is, you know, and, and again, talking with our coaches and, and, and talking, especially with Jack, that stopping the run, how important it is to be real good run stoppers because how it impacts the rest of the game. You know, stopping a team's ability to run the football, it, it takes uh, takes away the, the, uh, the, the concern, the fear that you have of play action because now it's, it's not validated. If they're running the ball well, now play action becomes an even bigger part of what they do. But if you can eliminate that, and put them into a situation where now you know when they're going to throw, you can get after the, the the passer. That helps an awful lot. So that's probably the biggest thing I'm really proud of is just the way we've handled the run the last few weeks. Uh, I shouldn't say the last few weeks, probably the last couple months has been a real big, I think, catalyst to us having success. The emphasis on takeaways, the way that they practice on that, work on that, uh, that's also been another catalyst to helping us go forward as a, as a team, as not just a defense, but as a team. So let's, uh, speaking of your team, transition to the quarterbacks. Obviously, uh, you guys were two and four with Carson Wentz as a starter, five, one and one with Taylor Heineke. You've been coaching since uh, 1997, like you mentioned. And I'm just curious, when you think about Ron over that span of time, how has your just prototype of what you look for in a quarterback from a leadership standpoint, from a success standpoint, um, been influenced by how Taylor Heineke has performed, not having that sort of blue chip resume. You know, it's interesting because I've been fortunate to have been around blue chip quarterbacks, guys that have been great and tremendous. And, you know, they're, they're, they're such a major part of what you do. They have to do a lot for you to win football games. And they do. You know, I, I was with Philip Rivers, who I thought was one of the all-time greats. I was with Don McNabb. Um, who who played the specific role that Andy had carved out for him, you know, uh, and then having Cam Newton, a guy that we relied on so heavily. This is a guy with Taylor that has mm. an underdog mentality that that doesn't have to do all those things that that a Donovan did, that a, that, that a Cam Newton did, that that a Philip Rivers did. What he has to do is he has to manage, control, and at the right time make the plays that we need him to make. And he's done that. He's done it very effectively. Um, you know, with Carson, um, what we had was a guy that was learning and developing, growing in our system. And, and as he started to get more and more comfortable, you started seeing the good things that he he's capable of doing. Unfortunately, he breaks the hand. And, you know, the opportunity for Taylor to come in was there. 
And what Taylor has come in and done is, as I said, he's managed. He's done the things that he's needed to do at the right time. And he's made plays when we needed to, to give us a chance to, to win. Uh, and even last, you know, last time, the, you know, in the first Giants game, on that fourth and four, he made the play we needed to have made at that time to extend the drive so we could go down and score, tie the game, uh, which was a big play for us. And speaking of Heineke, uh, eligible for unrestricted free agency next season, Ron. So what does he have to do? What threshold or bar does he have to cross or attain to get that long-term commitment from the commanders? Well, I think the biggest thing is, you know, we'll see how the rest of this plays out. I mean, we're in a good position right now. He's helped put us there in that position. You know, his job, again, as I said, is to continue to do what he's done, manage the games, keep things in control, put us in position to win. And as I said, make a play when we need to to help us win. I mean, those are the things that we're looking for is that consistency. And, and so far, it's been pretty solid. So how's the only quarterback uh, on the roster right now with the contract for next season? So with that being said, obviously we just mentioned Carson Wentz. So what is Wentz's future with the team? Well, we'll see. I mean, Josina, it's, it's early. We've got time to, to kind of explore things, see how things go out, uh, continue to go. And then we'll, um, you know, we'll make those decisions when we get to the offseason. Do you think it's possible, and when I was kind of thinking of the Jets quarterback situation and how they're going through right now with uh, Zach Wilson and also Mike White, so just kind of over your um, span as a head coach and being in the NFL, do you do you think it's possible for a non-blue chip quarterback to really have that long-term commitment from a team in general as far as an organization, whether it's yours or just across the league, having comfort with that? Well, if you look at what happened with Dallas, you know, Dax was a fourth round pick. And and so, you know, he wasn't a blue chipper. Now he is. He's a blue chipper. I mean, this, he's a legitimate big time quarterback in this league. And so that's a, that's an example to me where you take a fourth round pick, he gets his opportunity, grabs his opportunity and never lets go. Now, now Dallas has made that commitment to him. So, yes, it's possible. Mm hmm. And speaking of the NFC East, let's go to the other team in the NFC East, the Giants that you're facing. They start off the season six and two. They are currently one, three and one over the last five games. Um, as you're watching that film, what stands out to you as kind of the biggest contrast between the Giants then and now? And just to get some things to kind of jog your brain, whether it's been a Dory Jackson out, Leonard Williams missing the last game, uh, offensive line shuffling, Saquon's production kind of going up and down. And then I think uh, week 13 was the first time and only time that they've had uh, Kayvon Thibodeau, Leonard Williams, Aziz Ojolari, and Dexter Lawrence uh, playing on the line all together? Well, you just pretty much answered it, Josie. No, I know. Of Which of those stand out to you? No, I'm just saying. No, I'm agreeing with you. I'm agreeing mm -hmm. with you, Josina. That's exactly, mm -hmm. if you look at it, you know, early on when we went through our first five, six games of the year, that's what we were dealing with. We were shuffling things around. We, we still shuffling around our offensive line. And I think it's teams go through these 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 periods you know it, it's about where are you as far as your team building they're a young football team with all their front line guys available they're very very good with all the injuries they've had they haven't had an opportunity to be consistent they don't have the depth that they need yet so as this team grows and they put the depth that they need in place 
this is going to be a team you got to watch out for the future. That's what we've been working towards is trying to make sure we have not just good frontline players, but enough quality depth that we can get ourselves through these situations when you deal with a lot of injuries. So to me, if you're going to look at one thing and say, you know, the reason they've struggled recently is because of the depth. Yeah. They just haven't gotten it because of the injuries yet, mm. but they're a young team with a, with a very promising future. And, 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 a, you know, they've done a great job coaching. They've done a good job scouting and, and bringing players in, but it's just going to be a little more time for them. I think. And speak, we spoke of your quarterback. Let's speak of theirs. Daniel Jones obviously made uh, big improvements under uh, Brian Dayball, particularly in the area of protecting the ball. 19 uh, fumbles the rookie year, now just five. But as a defensive-minded head coach, Ron, I'm curious, what's your analytical approach when it comes to specifically finding a quarterback's weak spot, specifically also, Ron, as the only coach who's defeated the Eagles? <laughs> Well, I think one of the big things, more so than anything else, is you know, to 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 beat a quarterback or 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 an opponent's offense, I think you've got to first of all be able to run the football as a def as as an offense yourself. Uh, that does a couple things. One is it keeps the other team's um, quarterback off the field because you're controlling the clock. Um, mm -hmm. Secondly, it improves your opportunity to throw play action. Um, mm -hmm. And then it also creates the the uh, the, uh, the opportunity for your offensive linemen not to have to catch. But they can fire out, be aggressive, um, and and that's one of the things that has helped us. It's helped our our protection. It's helped our offense, and then it helps our defense because it keeps them on the sideline fresh. Now all of a sudden you get an opportunity to bring these guys back out there, um, and now they're fresh, they're anxious, they're ready to go. I mean, that's I think part of what you know some of the success we've had and why we've had the success we've had. But how do you specifically go about finding a quarterback's weak spot when you specifically are going over the film? Oh, I think some of the things that you look at really is 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 what they do. Um, to me, you know, it's not just necessarily finding an individual's weak spot, but find how or see how you can attack your opponent. Um, you know, mm -hmm. I was very fortunate to have played for Buddy Ryan and, and, and had an opportunity to listen to him and talk to him and learn from him as he talked about how you game plan and attack your opponent. He always used to say, you don't attack an individual, you, you attack what they do. Mm -hmm. So to us, mm -hmm. you take a look at what they do, how they do it, and then figure out how to stop it. And that's mm -hmm. been something that we've been pretty good at lately. And again, a lot of credit goes to what, you know, Jack and the defensive staff have done. They've done a great job with, with some of the game planning things that we've done, some of the different wrinkles that he's used since I've, you know, since we've gotten together, I think he's done some outstanding things. Last few questions here is what's your expectations of Saquon's utilization? When you look at that film and the fact that he only had one carry over the first three series uh, and they went 21 down 21, nothing in that game, but then finished with nine carries for 28. So what's your expectation as you're talking about so much when it comes to stopping the run? Well, I think first and foremost, he, he he's a big part of what they do offensively. And, and you know, I know he had the, the, the shoulder and the neck situation. So that probably limited some of their options with him. But knowing who he is and, and watching all that tape from, from earlier in the season, you know that you have to pay attention to what he does. He's a big part of what they do as far as running the football. Um, and he's somebody that gets your attention. And so you've got to be able to stop him. Secondly, off of all that action that they do running the football with him, now you've got to pay attention to Daniel Jones and understand what he does. Uh, not only does he, you know, take the ball and run with it, but he also has the opportunity to throw it. There's some RPO stuff that you've got to pay attention to, some play action stuff, as well as boot action. Um, so it starts to me with what they do with Saquon, and then it goes to what they do with the quarterback, and you got to understand that.
Last three questions here. What advice then, especially when you're talking about the Giants being a young team, and we are talking also about the Giants and the early success they had, and then they start to, you know, struggle right now. Uh, think back to a coach like Josh McDaniels in his first uh, tenure with the Denver Broncos, starting off six and zero, and then you have to ride through some adversity. So being that Brian Dayball specifically is your uh, opponent, um, as far as at least on the coaching standpoint, what advice would you have, you know, for him when it comes to just or coaches in general to navigating uh, early success and then adversity afterwards? Well, we went through that here. You know, we had a lot of success my first year. My second year, we didn't quite have the success that people expected. First of all, it's not about what everybody else expects. It's about what your expectations are for your football team. Secondly, you're going to go through the adversity. The thing you can't do is you can't change. You've got to stick to your guns and believe in what you're doing. Uh, third, as again, um, you've got to now make sure that uh, the pieces are in place. The thing that we've tried to do, and, and again, as I said, talking about the Giants earlier, is they've gone through a rash of injuries that have you know gotten you know in their way and has slowed them down. And you'd almost say part of it is because you know they're such a young team, they haven't developed the the depth that they need. They've got some great frontline players. They really do. I mean, you look at what they got in terms of their of their defense and 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 some of those veteran defense alignment that that have been doing some great things for them. Unfortunately, Adore Jackson's out, who's a quality cover man. You look at their offense, and they've got some young pieces that they put into play. Um, they've got a veteran running back and Saquon, who's a quality football player that's done a great job for them, and he's a big part of what they're doing. And they got a new system. To me, it's you know I would preach patience just because I really think that that, that a team like them has a good future. It really does. And and if they're given an opportunity and the time and the patience, this is a team that we're going to have to contend with for, for a number of years. And, and so that's what I would say. Last couple of questions. Also speaking about future, there's been a lot of talk in the headlines about the, you know, commanders potentially being up for sale and things like that, whether it's the majority or the minority stake. Um, what does that make you think about your own uh, sense of future when you hear things like that with this organization? Well, I really can't control it more so than anything else, Josie. And I've been through this before, um, you know, and, and and the thing that, you know, that I look at if I go through this again where there is new ownership or not, you know, all I can do is my job, do it the best I can um, and really go from there. And and that's that's it. So my focus more so than anything else is, you know, where we are right now. Uh, we're in the middle of a playoff hunt and 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 we've got a chance. So we're going to focus again, as I've said before, what's uh, what's important. Um, to me, that's all interesting right now, though. Mm -hmm. And speaking of what's important, let's talk about what's really important. Uh, we all often hear that adage, uh, faith, uh, football and family. And I know that you went through uh, the passing of your mom, Dolores. So I'm just curious now, as you kind of navigate through this adversity, still have the potential of the playoffs on the horizon. Is there any words or anything that she used to say to you, Ron, that still comes to you, whether you're on the sidelines or you're in the middle of the day dealing with a lot of adversity that the commander specifically have had to deal with that still uh, rings in your mind? Yeah, there, there are a lot of things that go through my mind, especially when I, when I do think about my mother. Um, she was a huge influence in uh, my playing football more so than anything else. You know, my father coming from Puerto Rico was really all about baseball, but mom grew up with, uh, with football and uh, I know how much she enjoyed it. She loved watching it. Um, you know, I, I used to call her after, after games, you know, right away and, you know, just let her know and talk with her and, you know, stuff like that. But uh, 
Uh, I learned real quickly that uh, when we win, it's okay to call her right away. If we lost, I had to wait a while before I called so she would calm down. Um, yeah, but that's true. That's true. And she really did enjoy it. Um, you know, probably one of the things that, that, that I always do remember, and she always says, mm-hmm. she says, Look, things get tough. Things get hard. Take a deep breath. Just remember who you are more so than anything else and stay true to you. And, and that's the, the, the take a deep breath thing I do every now and then. And when I do that, I do think about her because I do remember her telling me that, you know, um, I can remember as a kid, you know, we lost a football game. Um, we were, uh, my dad was stationed in Fort Gulick, Panama, and uh, I was playing, um, uh, well, I wouldn't call, yeah, it was Frost Soft uh, football. I was in the seventh grade and, and we had the seventh, eighth and ninth grade teams that, that, that you played on. And I was a seventh grader and um, I was a quarterback. And we lost the game. It was a close game, and we lost. And I was on the sideline crying. And my mother came up to me. She said, get your head up. She said, look at me. She said, take a deep breath. Don't forget who you are. And I never forgot that. I never forgot that. Well, I think that um, is a powerful message and powerful words to end this interview on and something definitely for you to keep inside as you navigate the rest of the regular season and this push towards the playoffs. So Ron Rivera, we appreciate you joining us. Cool. Thank you, Josina. Nice to talk with you. 